HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Bordeaux Wines. Red, white, rosé, there's a reasonably priced wine for everyone and for every occasion. For more information, visit bordeaux.com slash US. Today's program is brought to you by Campari. For more information, visit campari.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, um, and I wanted to tell you about an interesting company that uh, I recently started buying some delicious uh, vintage spirits from. So if you've been to some of these restaurants around uh, uh, New York, like Del Posto or Mylino, and you're like, where do they get all of their old uh, Amaro? I actually don't know where they get their old Amaro, but where I get some of my old Amaro is a company called Soul Agent. Uh, I just bought some really cool old Amaro Braulio from them, and uh, a very, very smart company based out of Chicago. Uh, they're not an advertiser. I just wanted to share this with you guys because uh, I love Amaro Braulio. I think a lot of people in the restaurant industry really do like this uh, Northern Italy Valtellina-based Amaro, and they make a little-known Reserva Amaro, which is a in oak casks. It is not imported into the U.S. Um, and a few years ago, Braulio was uh, purchased by um, Campari, actually. And from what I can tell, uh, I don't know if anything has changed, but uh, it, I think that was a very smart move by Campari. Braulio is delicious. And I encourage Campari, who is the sponsor of the show as well, please, uh, if you guys from Campari are listening, bring in the Reserva uh, but in the meantime, you can buy it from a place called Soul Agent based out of Chicago, and they have other sorts of cool old spirits, and I just want to let you know about that. All right. Uh, very cool. Uh, I'm really excited about our guest today. Uh, he's a truly impressive individual. He is, uh, uh, I hope you can say he's a friend of mine. He's a friend. Are you a friend of mine, Michael? Of course. All right. Yes. Uh, he's a master sommelier. He won uh, Best Sommelier in America. Uh, he oversees the... Uh, 
ever-increasing and extraordinary wine list at The Modern, uh, which just confirmed its Michelin star. Again, congratulations. It's well-deserved. Um, he has lived all over the world. He's from France. He's lived in Australia. He's here bringing all of the, the talents and worldly uh, experience to New York. And uh, I'm so excited that you're on the show today, Michael. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Joe. Thank you. Uh, can you ex- tell us about when you came into uh, the modern, you inherited what was already a pretty fantastic wine program and then took it to another level. What was that experience like and what did you, what did you want to do with uh, the list there? Well, uh, I was in Australia for four years and an opportunity came up to move to New York. It's always been a goal of mine because... What happened in New York on the wine scene is pretty extraordinary at the moment, and I mean it's been pretty extraordinary for many years now. But uh, the modern came up, uh, as you said, it's always been a, an amazing restaurant, uh, very successful, very busy, with a, always a very good wine program. Uh, looking back at all lists, there's always been strong, strong uh, selection. Uh, when I arrived, a lot of changes changes happened at the modern. A new chef. So after 10 years, a chef left. That was Gabriel. Uh, we got a new GM, a new pastry chef, a new bar manager, a new wine director, uh, and so on. So we kept on building what the modern has been for the last 10 years, uh, an incredible place uh, located in the Museum of Modern Art uh, in the heart of Manhattan, um, where we really have an incredible diversity of clientele mm-hmm. between the, the fine dining restaurant, uh, two mission staff, we have a bar room, we can come in at the bar just... No, have a glass of wine, have a bite, and we also have a, a pretty large uh, private dining room. So the diversity, uh, my background, having, yes, coming from France, lived in England, lived in California, lived in Australia, and arriving in New York, kind of taking that experience and bringing it again in that incredible place and uh, putting a bit my, my touches if I want. Uh, so a big focus on French wine. Also, a lot of American wines, but uh, I think we we expanded a lot on the southern hemisphere. So when I arrived, there were five five Australian wine, and now we have uh, something like a hundred. Uh, but we also focus on South Africa, New Zealand. But I also really want to cover the, the world of wine in general. You so. are the only sommelier that I know of who has uh, who has lived and worked in Australia, and, and who has uh, a, a, at least I'm sure there are others, and you probably uh, your your network uh, know many others, but has a has a, a passion for Australian wine. And I feel like there's been a time in the past where maybe some sommeliers wrote those wines off or weren't as excited about them, but now there's more and more that you're saying, oh wow, that's an amazing riesling from this region, even like uh, even some of the Syrah isn't as big and burly as you know as it used to be and people are getting excited about them what what is there to look out for in, in australia what were the wines that you brought onto those lists well i i love wine it's it's a job it's a passion i love great wine um you know if you look at australia but i could say the same about france there's a big majority of wine produces pretty bulk and can be delicious and can be quite ordinary too um uh, which is great. I mean, we need, we need the wine for everyone and for everything. But uh, unfortunately, I think Australia suffered of that cheap supermarket koala or kangaroo on the label kind of wine. Uh, 
I think I need to go back to California. When I lived mm. in San Francisco in 05, you had a new generation emerging, the new California, right? Uh, new, new winemakers, new project, new generation, new drinkers, new sommelier, new blogger, new wine writer. The same thing happened or was happening in Australia when I moved there in 2010. So incredibly talented uh, new generation uh, and really working very hard very smart uh, and looking at changing things and I think we could talk about the pendulum effect you know mm -hmm. we could argue that sometime maybe if you look at Chardonnay grown in Australia we could argue that it went a bit too far at some point a bit too tropical a bit too rich and, and some people still love those wine and we have some of those ones on the wine list too um, and then maybe the pendulum went a bit too far a bit too lean a bit too green and racy but I think like at the moment I can't think of a better generation, a moment uh, to drink, to taste, to buy, to list, to recommend wine. Uh, in Australia, but also I think in California, I think about France, but a lot of exciting projects. A lot of them are available in New York. Uh, there's quite a few more wines that I would like to see. Hopefully they will, uh, they will arrive, but... Yeah, I wonder if there was uh, somewhat of a delay. That's a story that just anecdotally I heard, but maybe you can confirm that in maybe in Australia there, like people were doing really cool things for some time, but we just, we just weren't seeing them here in the States. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you think about the cool, uh, small projects you find in France, in Italy, mm -hmm. in California, in Australia, the same thing, you know, you talk about a few hundred cases. Sometimes you may talk about 70 cases and I think a lot of wine is consumed and sold within Australia maybe the Asian market too. But then what arrives in the U.S. is, you know, very small quantity. Um, I think Wine Australia is doing a, has been doing a great job over the last 10 years at promoting Australia, bringing people down and mm -hmm. showing them what's happening and so on. Um, so you can find some of those wine after you need to look at the price. I think a lot of people focus a bit too much on price sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, Comparing that for thirty dollar, you could have have that in Italy or in Spain, and and then maybe we shouldn't be spending that money in a in a wine from that country. Which I think, especially California, gets that you know uh, that kind of comparison frequently. Say, oh, in the you know I can get a top quality Muscadet for twenty five dollars a bottle. It's the best example of it that there is and then in california that might be the entry level point for a good wine yeah and i'm not gonna lie i'm i'm, I'm european clearly <laughs> I, I drink a lot of european wine uh but i don't think it's totally fair and what i really love about the modern and it's i think it's the right time the right place for the restaurant for where we located for my background and bringing that together and uh, I think those wines deserve a chance. And I think just comparing them on price, I, th I think absolutely quality, price, value is very important. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter if it's $10 or 100 or or $1,000 a bottle. The quality and the value has to be there. But I think I was lucky to build a great wine team where everyone is op very open-minded mm -hmm. and, and support that. And... And the guests, I've I've been loving it. So, uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> so when you came on, I mean, what was that conversation like? And you say, all right, 
I, I'd like to join the modern, but I want, I have these grand visions of doubling, tripling the size. I don't know how much bigger you made that, that wine list. Was it like, okay, open, you know, open pocketbook, do, do what you want, have hire the most amazing small ideas you can find. Yeah. So that's what it seems like from the outside. Uh, I'd like to think it was a bit of condition. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it seems like it paid off. I mean, with, with all the accolades that, that have come. Uh, well, I think, he, I think it goes back to Danny's vision in the first place. I think he has always hired great people, you know, maybe given direction, but then let them do what they do. And if you, I think if you think of the history of restaurants throughout the company, is what's, what's been happening and what's that's been happening with the modern. With the chef, the GM, with myself. Uh, it, it took me a bit of time to arrive at the modern, making the decision to leave in Australia, mm-hmm. getting a visa and so on. But uh, So there was a bit of a gap where John Reagan uh, was overseeing uh, the program at the modern, but for, for a little while they were just waiting for me to arrive. So when I arrived, uh, I had a budget, but I had a vision, I had things in mind. I really had to learn the, the market the restaurant, the neighborhood, because neighborhoods are incredibly, incredibly different. We had to grow the team. We had to, to train everyone. But yes, my intention was to grow and build the best wine program I can. So we went from a 1,000 to uh, 3,000 selection in 18 months. Uh, we doubled the wine team. We went from three to six uh, sommeliers. So... A lot of work, a very busy restaurant open every day, pretty much. And um, my previous job, we had nearly 4,000 selection. And uh, when I left, I said, never again. I'm like, it's it's too much. I think 1,500 will be a, a great number. Just like practically, I mean, wh- wh- what is inventory like? I can't even imagine uh, yeah. 3,000 selection. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty nuts. And, um, and I don't think it's about the number of selection ultimately, but... I arrived in uh, in New York, my second wine director job too, and I'm like a kid in a candy store. There's, you can have access to to so many wines. It's it's quite unbelievable. You know, the f- I remember the first few days I received offers. I'm like, I buy this, this, and this, and then I realize the next day, and the next day, and the next day, you can have access to so many wine. And and you then thought you- that that offer, like, oh, this is my one chance. I have to get it now. But like, in fact, it was the same. Like, you could get that wine more yeah. easily than. Yeah, I mean, more easily than Australia, for sure. Uh, after there are some wine, when you see them, you have to take them because they're not going to last around. But it wasn't really about the number of selection. I just bought and bought, and, and I have a clear vision and idea in my head. And I know the wine is looking good today, but I know there's a lot more I want to do. In fact, on my way here, I was I printed a copy of the wine list, and I'm like... It's about refinement and balancing the, the wine list even more at this point. Okay. I mean, on that note, we're going to take actually a quick break, and we'll be back more with Michael Engelman of The Modern. one of the most reputable and well-known wine regions in the world. While many are familiar with its legendary first growths, there is so much more to discover. Bordeaux offers a dynamic and diverse range of wines, 
different styles, different colors, and different price points. Did you know that Bordeaux produces crisp, refreshing whites? Or that many of its outstanding reds can be opened now and don't need years aging? Or that it's really easy to find a great bottle of Bordeaux for under $20? With such a diverse offering, Bordeaux wines can pair with a huge mix of contemporary foods and cuisines. Bordeaux wines. Red, white, rosé. There's a wine for everyone. For more information, visit Bordeaux.com slash US. When you talk about Campari, one of the first things that comes to mind is the inimitable and ubiquitous Negroni cocktail, a favorite of Heritage Radio Networks. Joe Campanelli, host of In the Drink on Heritage Radio, talks about the interesting history of the Negroni cocktail. The the classic Milano Torino, which is better known as the Americano cocktail, which is Campari, good red vermouth. Use good red vermouth like Carpano Antica formula, Contrado, Cocchi Vermouth Torino, one of those, and soda water. Then later on in its uh, history was transformed into the Negroni, which substituted good gin for the soda water, something a little bit stronger. Count Negroni spent many years traveling the Midwest, the Southwest of the United States, found a penchant for strong drinks, and later went to London where he started to like his gin, brought that all back to his favorite bar in Florence and said, I'll take one of those Americano cocktails, but make it stronger, make mine with gin. And such was birthed the Negroni cocktail. Um, and now it's really popular. I find that people are asking for Negronis with agave-based spirits, uh, mezcal or tequila Negronis, especially mezcal, a little more popular. Um, so mezcal Negronis are really delicious. Experiment with your own Negroni recipe and enjoy it with Campari for a perfect cocktail creation. For more information, visit Campari.com. Please enjoy responsibly. All right, we're back with Michael Engelman, Master Sommelier and Wine Director of The Modern uh, at the uh, Museum of Modern Art here in uh, New York City. Um, there's also The Modern the Bar out front is a great place to just stop by and have an outstanding glass of wine and a little bite. Um, the front room is really casual, and if it's a uh, special occasion or if you are the type of person who frequently dines out at two Michelin star restaurants, the uh, the back uh, the restaurant, the fine restaurant, is a place that you should be going. It is fantastic. Michael's wine list is uh, is pretty extraordinary. It's it's kind of a it's really a, a gem of uh, of New York wine list. Um, Michael, you said before that you uh, you had come to New York from uh, from Australia previously. This is your first job here in New York. Did you have some preconceived notions about what working in New York would be like in the restaurant industry, what guests would be like, what the community was? Uh, were, were some of them justified or some of them completely off? What did you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I love my time in Sydney, but uh, I was really missing was what's happening in, in New York. So, And I think we can blame social media a lot on that, you know. <laughs> Is and and so many people have moved mm. to New York over the last two, three, four, five years. Uh, some friends from the West Coast uh, have moved here, but um, I think what impressed me is the, di- uh, the difference between the neighborhoods in New York. Uh, it, just talking about Manhattan, the Upper West Side to Midtown to the East Village to the West Village. Uh, I mean, it does make sense where I lived previously. There's also big differences, but. Um, 
here is within a few blocks. It's it's totally different. Uh, but uh, yeah, what attracted me is the dynamic. What's happening mm -hmm. is all the events, all the tastings. It's it's fascinating that uh, to see how many winemakers are in town every day, every week. I, I have met so many friends and family members and 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 winemakers that everyone wants to come to New York. Should it be because, you know, I think it's one of the top two or three cities in the world that comes to mind uh, when you want to visit somewhere, when you want to do business, when you want to be present, if you're getting married, if whatever it might be. Uh, and that's quite extraordinary, the amount of the diversity of people you can meet. I, I know it would be like that, but it's even greater than I thought. Yeah, and... Um and what is it like working in a museum? Actually, I'm trying to th I'm racking my brain for this, uh, trying to think of was there before uh, the modern a great restaurant in a museum? Maybe there was. I can't think of it. And I like to keep up to date on what's going on in the restaurant industry. Well, I think the I think the museum is like a bit like a, a hotel. You know, we are. Uh, we are a museum restaurant, but we're also a restaurant in a museum. That means that a lot of people, especially like yesterday on a rainy day, uh, a lot of people go to the museum and all of a sudden, you know, want to have a glass, want to have a bite, a coffee, uh, and you can see that and people arrive and it brings a great diversity. Uh, what I really like about the modern is, again, the diversity of clientele. The museum, international guest, business, a date, a special occasion, and that's what keeps it very exciting to me. Uh, I know some restaurants are just tasting menu and wine pairing. I know some restaurants there's no wine pairing. Uh, I know some restaurants, you 80% occasion are birthdays and celebration, which is great. But I really like the environment we are in the neighborhood, the museum can bring, and, and just who we are and where we're located. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get to meet people from all over the world. and. That's pretty. That's pretty extraordinary. Are there, there interplay? Do you work with the museum itself? I imagine they, maybe they they do events with you, or is there some opportunity to to do something cool with the museum too? Yeah, there are some uh, there are some events sometimes, especially with the private dining room. Sometimes uh, uh, early evening or a bit later, they may go on a, a late night tour and then come and uh, and have dinner with us. Or there has been some special events. Uh, like the sculpture garden, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes people Beautiful. can buy that. Uh, it's a museum, but then they, they sometimes have dinner or drinks with us, or we, we provide that. I mean, it's it's quite diverse. Yeah. And, and you work in a company that I think has the most amount of extraordinary talent in terms of wine directors and sommeliers. Uh, what is it like to, to work, uh, and probably the most amount of master sommeliers, though maybe somewhere in Vegas has more. I, I don't know, actually. Yeah, Vegas probably. <laughs> Vegas probably. But what, what's it like to work with so many people who are uh, so passionate about wine, so good at it, but uh, or at, at different restaurants? Is there is there interplay? Do you exchange ideas? Yeah, with I mean, it's, it, it's exciting. I think it goes back to, to the vision. Uh, and I think that, I mean, John Reagan was a wine director for 11 Madison Park for many years, right? And when he was sold, he stayed with USAG as a corporate wine director. And after that, uh, Sabato, who's also a master sommelier, mm -hmm. came on board as like the, the chief restaurant officer. And I think the two of them, among a few other people, have brought that vision of uh, refreshing, revigorating all the, not just the wine program, but the restaurants overall. Uh, 
New York is a fascinating city, but if you want to stay on top, you got to keep on evolve, evolving and attracting talent. And I think they did an amazing job with that. And when I was in the, in Sydney, this opportunity came up, and uh, I looked at what other people are, were doing in wine programs within the company. I think Jeff Kellogg did an incredible job at Mayalino, and me seeing being able to see what he's done with the wine program mm -hmm. before and after, pretty guaranteed that I could do the same thing at the modern, and that definitely played a big part. Uh, a few people have left since, and you've New talent yeah, has it's arrived. a little bit of a time of uh, a shakeup in the company. Yeah, right? I think yeah. it, I think it's the nature of the restaurant business also, mm -hmm. uh, and as as you know, uh, but it's uh, it's exciting because quite quickly being able to see the transformation, building that, and uh, but more than anything, we we really get along, you know, all together. We we may have a late bite in in Chinatown or. Three, four, five times a year, all the wine directors and sommeliers get together for a late night supper at one of the locations uh, and things like that. So it's it's pretty awesome. And yeah, we change ID, we talk wine or not, but we uh, uh, beyond that is the great people. Yeah, I love to hang out with my uh, fellow wine directors. What what wines do you guys drink when you get together? Is it mostly French? Well, I don't know if some of them are listening. There's some of them <laughs> that just bring. Uh, uh, An Italian uh, wine? Uh, no, no. Dovisa or Ravno and bottle of champagne. And those are some people who are a bit more adventurous. <laughs> How do I get to come? But there's usually, <laughs> there's usually, a, oh, we can do that. Yeah. There's usually a lot of champagne, and uh, I mean, it's pretty much often the classics. And yeah, but. It's amazing how uh, you know, really good sommeliers, uh, maybe in their, even in their uh, downtime, still kind of go towards the class. Do you find that yourself, like you go towards the classics when you're drinking at home as well? Uh, it's pretty diverse. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll, I, uh, I try to taste a big diversity of wine, you know, uh, I like to think that I rarely taste the same wine twice. I mean, that's not true. I mean, it's not totally true. Yeah. But I, I think it's important to, in my opinion, keep a big diversity in mm -hmm. wine you taste. Uh, I, let's say you start in the wine business, right? If you taste Chablis for the first time, you can't say it's a good wine, but you can't say it's a good Chablis, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've only had one. But then once you have a dozen different producers, vintages, vineyard then you can have uh, you, you you can see uh, the differences and you can really i think you're a better judge and you appreciate more uh some wine than others uh, wine is a job is a passion and i don't want to lose that little sparkle i think that's very important and tasting a larger diversity of producer wine i think deepens my knowledge personally professionally makes me appreciate more but i really think that for a program like the modern, it's important to have a cl the, the great classics, but also what's new, what's next, mm -hmm. what's coming up. Because wine is getting more and more expensive. And I want to be able to cater and have a wine is that has a large diversity and offering people who can afford at any price point. And I find it very exciting to find that new gem, new producer, and, and list it. Uh, so when I drink at home, it's, it's very often European probably more white and red but i try to 
keep it a bit diverse. Yeah, and you know, during the break, you were telling me something interesting, and you didn't get to finish the thought. And I'd love for you to share it with everyone about a little bit about your philosophy as to uh, when you're putting wines on the list and you're and you're placing them, and maybe within one region having multiple price points. Uh, how do you, how do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's important to, if you talk, I'm gonna keep on going back to to French wine. Sorry, but if you if you have a Saint-Joseph or a Croze Hermitage, I think it's very important to have uh, something under $70, $80, right? Mm-hmm. Our price is hospitality included, so. Um, but also have something over 100 you know, something that's a bit more known as a producer of an emerging star and, and so on, and maybe, maybe slight stylistic differences. Uh, uh, but I think it's important to me to do that in each appellation. So I like to do that in Croze Hermitage. I like to do it in Saint-Joseph, mm-hmm. in Cornas, in Cotroti. Uh, I don't want to be in a position where, well, we don't have a Croze Hermitage under $80, so you need to drink Saint-Joseph. Uh, I, I like to cover a bit uh, within each appellation. Makes sense. Uh, it's yeah. not true throughout the list. I cannot do that with every single right. appellation. And it is true that a lot of wine on the program reflect a bit my personality and a bit more freshness, a bit more liveliness, uh, nicely balanced wine. Uh, I think it's important that the wine has a personality and charisma, just just like a, a chef in his, in his cooking. But I really try to to cover a larger audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. I actually, that is all the time we have today. Michael, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. And I really uh, can't stress enough that you guys should go to the modern and drink uh, good wine. Maybe uh, a little bit of a nicer wine than you normally would at another restaurant because uh, Michael's put so much uh, effort into uh, really creating a special list. And I also want to say thank you uh, for not making us do math when we're paying the bill. Because I think that uh, doing math is a way to uh, confuse me and maybe think I left the wrong tip, even when I thought I was being generous, or maybe I left too much. It's nice to just sign and leave. And so I think gratuity included is very, very cool. I hope that experiment is going, not experiment, but I hope that, that that's going well uh, for you guys. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a year now, and I think uh, it's been going very well. So, yeah. Thanks for having me, Joe. All right. Thank you again so much. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been In the Drink on heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.